Hello and welcome everyone to Conversations in Digital Learning, a podcast produced by the Digital Learning Collaborative, or more commonly known as the DLC. The DLC is a membership group dedicated to exploring, producing, and disseminating data, information, news, and best practices in digital learning. My name is Katherine Kennedy, and I'm your host for today's show. Before we get started, I'd like to share a quick disclaimer. We invite a variety of guests to join our podcasts. Their views are not necessarily representative of the Digital Learning Collaborative or its members. This episode of the podcast is focused on the National Standards for Quality Online Learning and features Chris Volker, the K-12 Program Director at Quality Matters, and Cindy Hamlin, the Director of the Virtual Learning Leadership Alliance. They'll be talking about their organization's collaboration focused on revising the National Standards for Quality Online Courses, Quality Online Teaching, and Quality Online Programs building upon the work started by the International Association for K-12 Online Learning, or INACOL, which is now called the Aurora Institute. Before we jump in, I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our two speakers. Cindy Hamlin is the Director of the Virtual Learning Leadership Alliance, or the VLLA. The VLLA is a 501c3 educational nonprofit organization that brings together leaders from online learning programs in the U.S. to strengthen quality virtual education. Ms. Hamlin was the director of the Illinois Virtual School from 2009 through 2018, where she provided oversight of the quality of online courses, instructors, and services to students. Cindy joined the VLLA with 26 years of experience leading educational technology in Illinois. Christine Volker is the K-12 Program Director for Quality Matters, a global nonprofit dedicated to quality assurance in online and innovative digital teaching and learning environments. QM provides a scalable quality assurance system for online and blended learning used within and across organizations grounded in research and driven by best practices. Christine has been involved with K-12 education for over 20 years with an emphasis on distance learning, library of media, instructional technology, and professional development. Thank you both so much for taking the time to chat with me this morning. Thank you, Catherine. It's great to be here. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks for having us today. Could you share a bit about the collaboration between the VLLA and QM for the revamp of the standards? Sure, I'll take this one. This is Chris Foker. Um, so... Many people in our community and a lot of your listeners are familiar with the National Standards for Quality Online Courses, Programs, and Teaching as they were released by INACOL. And these standards, they were used extensively by schools and districts and organizations who were maybe looking for guidance on starting up online learning programs and as a benchmark for quality courses and programs, as well as for teaching. And the INACOL standards for quality online courses and teaching were last revised and released in 2011. And the National Standards for Quality Online Programs, those were last released in 2009. And while they've withstood the test of time, there's 
always room for improvement, especially as you know, when time keeps moving forward and advances are uncovered through research. And changing priorities made it clear that the leaders at INACOL, while they couldn't deny the importance of these standards for the community, they really needed to pass the torch because of those changing priorities. So that's how QM and the VLLA got involved. Both of our organizations have strong ties to INACOL and bring different skills to that whole partnership. So INACOL approached us both, not only because of the relationship we have with one another, but also because they knew QM's background with standards revision processes of development and deployment, and they knew VLLA's strength in program leadership and oversight, which includes the course and facilitation components. And through this project, an even greater partnership than we had before has emerged. When we first got started, we knew that even though QM and the VLLA were providing the guidance and leadership, we really wanted this to be a community undertaking. So we were very committed to including people from different organizations and different roles. So ultimately, those who worked on the standards, they included teachers, administrators, instructional designers, researchers, all kinds of folks from public and private schools, charter schools, statewide virtual schools, non-governmental agencies, nonprofit, and also for-profit companies. Doing this gave us a pretty wide range of perspectives so that we could ensure that the standards were going to be adaptable to different educational structures and situations. Thanks so much, Chris, for providing that overview. It's really helpful to see the ways in which you guys collaborated in order to bring about the revamping of them. Could you talk a little bit about the process put into place for the actual revamp? How did that work and, and who did you have involved in that process? Sure. So we knew that there was Uh, this urgency to get started based on those last revision dates that I mentioned. So we really needed to get right to work. And the first thing that we needed to do was to get the word out so that we could get the buy-in from the community. And we needed to let people know that these updates were happening. Butch Gamin, who was the former director of the VLLA and I, we must have made and sent hundreds of phone calls and emails. We also had a press release announcing the new oversight and revision. And then we also sent out a short survey to the community asking about their use of the standards. And we included types of questions like, is this indicator useful to you? Should it remain in the standard set? Would you recommend any changes? All of this feedback was then shared with our revision teams. But the process actually followed closely the same process or a similar process that is used by QM for our rubric revisions. In our first order of business, once we had the project approved by each of our organizations, the VLA and QM, was to form a leadership team. And the leadership team, they're responsible for developing the vision of each standard set, the National Standards for Quality Online Programs, 
teaching and courses. And throughout this whole process, they provide guidance to how we should adjust the structure and composition of the standards. And the composition of the leadership team itself will consist of project managers, the chairs and co-chairs for each standard set, and a number of experts to help shape the standards revision, even before the standard work groups began work on their individual standards. In setting that stage, the leadership team determined that each standard set needed to complement one another. We needed to include explanations and examples. Each of those standard sets needed to be supported by research. They had to have a consistent look and feel. They had to include community involvement. And last but not least, they had to be openly licensed. As our work progressed, that leadership team provided oversight and decision-making guidance for the work groups as they started working. And some members of the leadership team, they worked on prior INACOL standards development and revisions, and they were able to bring that historical perspective, which really proved to be valuable for us. Butch Gamin and I, we served as the project managers, and then later, Cindy joined me for this role. Um, and for each standard set, we put together a revision team with anywhere from 50 to 100 contributors who served on each set. And we had two chairs who were overseeing the work, and team leaders were assigned to each standard, or in some cases, a group of standards. And each standards work group had, I guess, an average of about 10 people working on their standard itself. These members were given the initial survey feedback, as well as a comprehensive literature review. And the literature review served to inform our work. We commissioned one review for each standard set, which identified themes and practices worth noting as with the evolution of online learning. And when each indicator was revised, members were required to make sure that their proposed revised indicator was measurable, it was specific, valid, and it was also accompanied by explanations and examples. The other thing they needed to submit was the rationale for their revision and the research out there that was there to support that revision. And throughout this whole process, the chairs had meetings with the workgroup leads just to make sure that their questions were addressed and that the teams would also have a chance to confer with one another about changes because if they made a change, it could impact another standard. And so we wanted to make sure that that communication was there. Once we had each of the work group's revisions, the chairs then took these revisions and we placed them into this enormous document, which was then massaged and formulated into a draft. And then the draft was provided to reviewers who actually volunteered their time to review the standards, the indicators, the explanations, and the examples. And this proved to be such an integral part of the process because the feedback we received was just so valuable. They had to complete a pretty extensive survey uh, looking at the standard set both holistically and then more closely at each indicator. And those reviewers, they had a big job. We asked them 
to look at each indicator and to tell us whether or not it was measurable, specific, valid, and also if it had an associated complete explanation as well as specific and relevant examples. And they were also asked to provide additional examples where needed. We were definitely grateful for their help in this process. So really, it was a pretty intensive process as a whole, and we really learned a lot from it. And I'll just jump in. This is Cindy Hamblin. Um, As you can hear from Chris's description of the process, extremely robust so many contributors, there were well over 200 that came together from the field to work on this. And as Chris said, I, I joined uh, up with the VLLA in January and really appreciated all the background uh, work that Butch and Christine did in, in getting that process laid out and ready for the different teams to work on the standards. It was a lot of work, a lot of contributions, and I guess kudos to the contributors and to Christine and Butch for getting that going for us. Definitely, it sounds like a huge undertaking and and congratulations to you and the people that were involved in the process. So another follow-up question that I had is, could you talk about each set of the standards and who they are particularly designed for? Sure, Catherine. This is Cindy again. I'd be happy to take that question. As Chris mentioned, uh, she talked a lot about the leadership team and its role in really setting the vision and the important characteristics, what we wanted the new standard sets to look like, the research behind it, and really, again, setting that vision for those three standard sets. Flexibility was one of the important features. And as an initial member of the leadership team, I recall lots of discussions we would have regarding how the standards would be utilized and the importance of allowing each unique organization the ability to implement those standards based on their local practices. Not everyone would implement and use the standards in the same way, so they need to be very flexible. For example, the National Standards for Online Teaching, those standards could be used by an individual teacher as a reflective tool for examining his or her own practices as an online teacher. Or it could be used by a professional learning team to evaluate their online teacher preparation programs and really determine are there gaps currently in what we're doing to prepare our online teachers. Or it even could be used in crafting an online teacher evaluation tool by an organization. So again, the flexibility of those standards to be used in various ways by different organizations. But I would be happy to share more about what each of the standards sets cover and how they're intended to complement each other. For example, the online program standards touches on instruction, but then the online teaching standards goes much deeper. So first, the online program standards, they provide a framework for launching, evaluating, or even improving existing online programs. The standards cover areas around planning, governance of an online program, staffing, financial resources, curriculum and instruction, as well as support and program evaluation. We see the online program standards being used by K-12 administrators and school boards that might be either starting an online program or again, evaluating an existing program that's up and going. We could also see those standards being used by agencies that are currently authorizing virtual programs and many states are beginning to look at 
uh, methods and mechanisms for approving virtual programs. So those would be some of the uses of the online program standards. The NSQ uh, online teaching standards really provide the structure of important characteristics, skills, and knowledge needed for a quality online instructor. Each standard includes indicators and explanations, as well as examples that Chris mentioned earlier of what that indicator looks like in action, which is very helpful. If you read an indicator, then you can see examples, you see it in action. Uh, The standards cover professional responsibilities of the online instructor, digital pedagogy, learner engagement, which we know is very important, diverse instruction, assessment, and other important elements of that quality online instructor. As I mentioned earlier, this standard can be used as a reflective tool all the way to an evaluation mechanism. The third standard set, which is the National Standards for Quality Online Course Standards, focuses on indicators needed for that quality online course. From the design of the online course to important characteristics that need to be in place as that course goes live with students to an annual course evaluation or an ongoing course evaluation. The revised online course standards also include a new standard, which includes indicators around accessibility and usability, which we know is something we're all spending more time looking at with all courses. School districts, schools, and teachers developing or vetting online courses would find the standard set extremely helpful. And again, looking at the state agencies, many are charged with approving courses for their course access catalogs. They would also find the online course standards extremely valuable. Thanks so much, Cindy. I I really appreciate the way you talked about the different ways that organizations and schools and programs are able to use these standards for what they need in their varied contexts. So one other question that I'd like to ask is about what are the next steps for the standards and your teams? Are there any additional resources being created that are aligned to them? Any idea on how often they will be updated? Anything else that you'd like to share about next steps? Thanks, Catherine. That's a great question. Chris, I'll be happy to take this one for us. The VLLA and QM have committed to keeping the National Standards for Quality Online Learning sets refreshed and current. As Chris said, there's an ever-changing environment in education and online learning, so we know the importance of keeping these standards updated. Now that we have the first revision, all three standard sets updated and published, our focus this year is really to build awareness and advocacy for the standard sets as well as collecting and sharing use cases of how the standards are being implemented, looking at the standards in action. You know, as I mentioned in the previous question, you know, how could they be implemented? How are different organizations able to use the standards? We really want to document that and share what we're seeing in action. To kind of build this awareness and advocacy, we have attempted and are making connections with organizations that do have outreach with educators, administrators, digital learning staff, as well as State Department of Education to help us spread the word about the project and the importance of the standards. I would say to your listeners today, if you're a member of an organization that would benefit from learning more about 
these online learning standards, please contact Chris or I. We can be reached via email or the contact us form that's available on our website. And the NSQ website is nsqol.org. So I would really like listeners to follow up after this podcast and go to that website and see the variety of resources, see the standards, and even how to contact us for more information. As I said, it does have a wealth of resources on the site, resources that might help that individual or program wanting to learn more. We have some recorded webinars. We have all the research that is behind the standards that were used in the literature review for the teams, as well as resources for those staff that might be charged with making that transition from the old INACOL standards to this new standard set. Chris spent a lot of time going through and creating change documents for each set. So anyone looking at that knows what the old standard set and indicator, as well as what the new standard and indicator are and why that change was made. So that's a great resource. All three of the standard sets can be viewed online or downloaded from our website for free. Each of the standard sets have a Creative Commons license, so we made sure that was very important to the leadership team that these standards and indicators would be available at no cost to the community. As far as next steps in refreshing, we're looking at the beginning of 2021. We'll begin the process of reviewing and revising the first set of standards, which we believe will be the online program standards. Those were the oldest standards, so we feel there is another opportunity to revisit those standards and indicators. And again, for, for your listeners, Catherine, if you are interested in participating in future revision cycles or just want to learn more about the NSQ or your team might want an overview, contact us via the website. There are forms easily to say, I want to participate in future reviews. I want to learn more about this process. I know we want to hear more from the field as we move this project forward and keep it alive. Thank you so much, Cindy, for providing the information, especially about getting people involved in the process for the next iteration. I really think that it's great that you have so many collaborators in this process to bring these really important tools to the field. Are there any other things that you'd like to share before we wrap up? Catherine, this is Chris. I just wanted to thank you again for having us. Also to thank the community because we couldn't have done this, as Cindy said, without their time and effort. And again, this was a pretty big undertaking and it was all volunteer. And, you know, it was a testament to the way people feel about these standards and, you know, how important they are to the field. And we're excited to get these use case scenarios and provide those out to the field and start on the next revisions. Thank you so much to you both, Chris and Cindy, and to your organizations and all of the collaborators who helped on the National Standards for Quality Online Learning. We are grateful to have such an amazing group working on this. NSQOL.org, so that you can see the three standards and all of the different resources that they have there for your purposes in whatever context you are in. Thank you both so much again. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Catherine. It was great to be with you today and really give Chris and I that opportunity to share about this important project. And I hope to hear from your listeners. 
I'm sure you will. And I'm sure you'll have a lot of people signing up for that next iteration. And you're always welcome back for the future iterations to share the new and exciting things that are coming in with each of the sets. Wonderful. Thank you. From all of us at the Digital Learning Collaborative and Evergreen Education Group, thank you so much for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter at the DLCEDU and at the DLC's Digital Learning Annual Conference. Learn more about the DLC at digitallearningcollab.com. We'll be back soon with another episode of Conversations in Digital Learning. Enjoy your day.